2: Hey, Tommy, we have an action-filled podcast for you this week because we did a lot of stupid stuff, including buying the cheapest car in America.
1: That's right. Yeah, we went out and bought a uh, little tiny electric car, which uh, is uh, the biggest pile of junk I've seen in my entire life. (laughs) So in this video, we're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about some cool stuff going on in the news and a bunch of other things related to the
2: car world. But first, uh, if you're interested in what's going on at TFL, I recommend you check out my t-shirt, alltfl.com, where we have all our videos, including the one where we bought this piece of, I mean, this uh, wonderful new uh, inexpensive vehicle that, uh, meets no one's needs, but before we get to that, Tommy, let me read you an email that I just got. Okay. Okay. Um, This is from TikTok.
1: Oh yes, the uh, the the famed short form video platform. You know where we have 1.2 million followers. Yep.
2: And do videos that regularly get in the millions of views, right? So um, let let me give you the background of this email first, okay? I got an email from Gino. Hi Gino at TikTok, and he said. uh, um, kind of interestingly, that they want us
1: on TikTok. Okay, so they wanted us to to start a TikTok channel. Yeah, and he also said, if I remember right, he'd get us verification, which is a big deal on TikTok. Yeah. He'd get us um, onto the, the the kind of revenue stream quickly, he, and he'd kind of fast track our, our progress
2: on TikTok. Yeah, so he, he, you know, as you know, we publish, gosh, eight YouTube channels, uh, two podcasts, two websites, and of course a TikTok channel. So you know, we've got a busy team of car people here doing you know car stuff, at least from the news perspective and from the testing perspective constantly. Um, so he wrote TFL Now, and he said, hey, TFL Now, if you're interested, we'd love to have you on TikTok. And to make that process sweeter, we will fast-track you in three different ways. First, we'll fast-track you in getting monetized. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, we'll fast-track you uh, in getting your videos promoted. So they were going to push our videos. Nice. Yeah. And thirdly, uh, we're going to fast-track you in getting verified. That's great. And I was like, okay, that's great, but... Probably these guys don't know that we're already on TikTok, right? That we've been on, what, for two years now? We've got a huge following on TikTok. Uh, so I thought to myself, well, we could take advantage of that offer uh, and, you know, just start putting up TFL Now videos, right? Yeah. Uh, but instead, I decided uh, that uh, we're going to do the right thing and say, hey, we, we got a YouTube channel, but we need your help in just getting verified. Okay. Uh, and he said, okay, here's a form you have to fill out, send it in. You're all set. And I just got an email back from TikTok saying, hi there. Thanks for reaching out. Our team has reviewed your account, but it does not meet our verification requirements at this time. Please note that our exact verification requirements are confidential, so we cannot share those details. We urge you to continue creating great videos. So, so we've been in business longer than TikTok, Tommy. Okay. Um, I think TFL Car is now up to about just one of our channels, up to about 17 million views a month. 17 million.
1: Yeah, we got to get to the point. I'm
2: falling asleep over here. It sounds
1: like you're upset at TikTok and you're
2: just putting it in a podcast. No, the point is that it's so frustrating with these tech companies, you know. (laughs) I mean, a simple Google search is all you need to do to figure out that, you know, about 30 to 50 million people a month watch one of our YouTube videos. And yet, we cannot get verified because of some secret algorithm, basically, that they can't tell who we are. I mean, mean, it's really frustrating, and it's really silly. Uh, And maybe what TikTok should do is just, you know, take the uh, Mr. Uh, Musk approach and just have people pay for verification, because at this point, it's just silly.
1: Dad, I love you. Yeah. But I honestly don't think that the the, the listeners out there care very much. But,
2: you know, it's, it's frustrating from the well, whole team. Pro- you, we
1: work so hard to create all this
2: content, you know, to have this, fo- this massive following of people. And yet somebody at TikTok, because of the algorithm, can't figure out just to do a simple Google search and see just exactly who we are.
1: It's a Chinese-run company. It's, a, no,
2: it's an American-run company that's, that's Chinese.
1: Yes, which I would argue is the same as a Chinese-run company. And it's not—it's clearly not a good company. They don't pay their creators much. They don't care about creators. So I'm not surprised at this at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's true. It's just true. Any of the tech companies whose livelihood is based on people like us, Uh, you know, they can't even be bothered to give us a contact person or a telephone number to call when we have issues. And if they do bother to give us a contact person, that person usually uh, has no ability to do anything that we need done whatsoever without sending us to like a help page on a website. It's just, it's just incredibly frustrating, uh, uh, yeah, it's beyond me how, how all these companies survive. Maybe you know, maybe we're just so trained with dopamine in our brains to like cl- swipe up, swipe up, swipe up that the rest of the business plan doesn't matter.
1: Well, I didn't mean to offend you there with, with putting your feelings to the side, Dad, but um, I think we should talk about cars, not about TikTok verification. Okay, before we talk about cars... Oh, no! A lot we of people, were just about to start
2: talking about cars. Well, well, this, this is car-ish. A lot of people have emailed us And I just said that we started in 2009, right? Uh Uh-huh. And so a lot of people have emailed us and they want to know how we got started. So I thought we should actually kind of just spend a few minutes talking about where TFL came from. Okay. Does that sound something that you're happy about?
1: I think we should do that later in the podcast. All right. Fine. I can hear people tuning out as we speak. You know... Um, I have a thought about that too. Well, here's the thing. A lot of
2: great podcasts out there. If you guys don't like my rants or my opinions, I say check out uh, our friends over at Wheelbearings, Nicole, Sam, and Robbie. They do a great podcast, you know. Uh, Feel free uh, to go over to Sam at Seen Through Glass. Maybe that's one, maybe Spike's Car Read. That's another one I listen to. So if you don't like what I'm saying, you know, a lot of other great choices out there.
1: You just told our our, our fine yeah. listeners to go elsewhere. I did. If they don't like it, look. This like podcast it. has gone off the rails. No, it, no,
2: it hasn't. I'm, uh, you know, we spend all this time and energy making videos, uh, and this is our one chance to actually kind of give you a behind-the-scenes, be honest about things. And I, I'm honest about that. There's just a lot of great podcasts out there that I love listening to. to and you know, I get I get kind of bummed out. People, you know. Reading the comments, saying you know everybody's great on the podcast team except for Roman. So if you don't like me, don't listen. Well, that's it's pretty or straightforward. Maybe we cut out the Roman rants. No. Why not? No, no, because because this is the only chance where I actually have a moment to, to, to vet, right? I can't do that when I'm reviewing a car, right? This 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 is the unadulterated. This is the uncut. This is the, you, you're getting the straight stuff here. And hopefully you find it fun and entertaining and certainly insightful. Uh, and I'm not going to sh- whitewash. I'm not going to sugarcoat things.
1: I'm just going to be who I am. I think we should maybe tone down the Roman <laughs> rants. Okay, all right. If I were to... to... To think about it, but um, so so you're
2: saying you're saying that, that that these are not funny, not entertaining, not interesting, but just kind of a, a, a venting moment for me that, that doesn't click with our viewers.
1: Sometimes I do think that that okay. I, I, I do that. have I get to that. say that's a
2: fair criticism. Sure. All right. <laughs> so mean, look, let's go ahead. Here's
1: the reason. So I don't particularly think I'm good at podcasts, right. and I come across as kind of snarky, and I don't mean to, and I apologize. I'm working on it. Um, but um, I, yeah, I mean, podcasts are one of those things where. You know, I really struggle with them. I know you like podcasts, mm-hmm. but I really prefer kind of the edited shorter form videos. Mm-hmm. So me, myself, I don't really listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, yeah, you do. You listen to podcasts where,
2: like, they do history, right? Where, yeah, or I like do. Or, like, where they where they delve into, like, things like the JFK murder, right? I, yeah, and
1: I love those kind of podcasts right. yeah. because, like, there's a lot of research that goes into them, and they have guests and interviews, and I'd like to do one of those one day with this, but there, that's a ton of work. And with eight YouTube channels to feed, I just don't have the so, bandwidth.
2: Yeah, so before we get into cars, and this is, I promise you guys, we'll be into cars in a second. This is the last bit. So for me, right, like the JFK thing, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up with so much noise around the murder of JFK, right? I, I, I heard so many conspiracies. And so at this point, I don't find it interesting because over the last 40 years of my life, right, I have, I have watched shows, I have listened to talk radio, I have, you know, seen news programs delving in and uncovering and blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I mean everything that's been said about that can be said, but for you it's new, right? Because you're much younger. So it's it's a generational thing.
1: But what about this? Like I was listening to a podcast about the Revolutionary War. Okay. You know, you were, I wasn't around for that. Well, Even you may Nathan have been. Was, yeah, yeah, Nathan you, <laughs> would say I was, yeah. <laughs> but um, I thought it was really interesting. And hmm. and so I, I mean like the, the JFK assassination, obviously you're right, has been overplayed. But there's a lot of interesting podcasts out there where I learned things. Um, these podcasts where you just kind of Chat and spit into the wind. I think we we can improve this. We gotta have a plan, you know. No more Roman rants. We want sophistication here, Dad.
2: So you want to do like a highly produced, uh, not kind of off the cuff, uh, something where maybe you do put some production into it, you know, where Is there's sound effects, sound effects, some, right. some sound bites, and that's what I love about this because all the stuff we do has all that in it, right? And yes. we produce fifteen to twenty videos a week and um, you know some are easy but like the series that we're in production on right now where we take uh, 3 200,000 mile Toyotas that we bought for under $10,000 and see if Toyota is indeed the most reliable uh, vehicle out there those take a lot of work and time and logistics behind it and as you know I've been doing this long enough now the, the more I do this the less I actually get to do the fun part I leave that to you right so you get to do the fun TikToks you get to do the fun videos and I'm kind of in the background figuring out how we pay figuring for this out stuff. How to
1: get verified on TikTok. <laughs> and how we,
2: how we get insurance for all this, you know, all this stuff that isn't very exciting. That's true, yeah. But, but allows all the other stuff to happen. And so for me to be able to actually come out here and actually, you know, express my opinion and have a bit of a rant after a long week or after a rough day is, uh, is you know, is, is, is fun. Uh, and uh, I think what people want
1: is fun. If you think these Roman rants are bad, you should hear the ones driving home from work. Those ones are something else. All right, so how do we get started, Tommy? Um, Yeah, so we started in 2009. Basically, um, you know, in the world of car YouTubers, that was pretty new. So it was like Kyle, 4 was a big one. Motor Trend, right? Those were big ones.
2: The Drive. Yep.
1: You've got a background in broadcast journalism.
2: I was a TV reporter.
1: I was 12.
2: I I, I was a TV reporter at WFR TV in Rockville, Illinois.
1: Yeah. um, So you had the idea, well, let's start a little YouTube channel. And first, you got into this world through uh, one of our marketing guys now, actually. Uh, There was this blog. that you started just a little car blog
2: yeah so let me take another step back So what had happened was I had actually started a triathlon blog Every Man try which is still out there because I got into triathlon and I had built that up into a pretty you know pretty sizable blog but the problem with the triathlon blog was that I could get all the gear for free but I couldn't get anybody to pay me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't get anybody actually cut a check. I could get like BMC to give me a carbon fiber bicycle. Uh, and then one day, you know, when the mortgage was due, your mom, my wife said, you know, "Hey, why don't you go pay the mortgage with that bike?" And she had a point. <laughs> you know, she was bringing in all the money and I was kind of, uh, kind of kind of, you know, getting a lot of cool gear but not a lot of real money for it. So I thought to myself, you know, I could do this in the car world. I always love cars, so I'd rather be kind of a tiny fish in a big pond as opposed to like a medium-sized fish in a small pond. So I started a car blog. Uh, and the way that, that works is if you can get enough viewership or readership, uh, every city in America that's significant, not like you know, Peoria, Illinois, um, has a press fleet where the manufacturers keep a lot of their new cars and then they lend those vehicles to automotive journalists to review for a week. So what they would do is, what was their first press car? Uh, it was a um, a Chrysler Sebring. Yep, exactly. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, they won't give you the good stuff right away. They, they want to make sure that you're not going to wrap it around a tree before they give you something nice. Uh, but not that the Sebring wasn't nice. I was super excited. Remember I picked you up when you were, and you were like 14 at the time. You were going to the dentist. and I, 12, and I took 12, you to the dentist. So so I got press cars, and they bring it to you clean and full of gas, and you review it, and then they give you another one after the week that's also clean and full of gas, and they take the dirty one, empty one away. It's a really great way to, uh, you know, get into a lot of cars uh, if uh, cars are your thing, which are my thing. So uh, we started reviewing cars on this car blog, TFL car, Mm -hmm. right? And then one day um, we were driving in a Lexus, remember, right? Yep. It was the…
1: It was an LS 460.
2: And it had one of the first. Uh, adaptive cruise controls, and we're going kind of down the diagonal from Boulder to Longmont. You were next to me, uh, and uh, adaptive cruise control was on, and I was wondering to myself, will the car come to a complete stop when we reach the end of the road where there's a stoplight? And so what did you do?
1: Yep, so I had this little flip camera. Mm-hmm. You know, those little crappy flip cameras? I recorded it. It yep. was like a 38-second video, and then we put it on the internet, and it got like 10 views. Um, and we thought that was pretty good. So then we started doing little daily um, vlog style reviews on cars and kind of covering the, the car industry. And keep in mind, this was 2009, starting and then 2010 was when we really got, got going. Um, and yeah, it was just a really small little operation. Now, it was a different landscape in YouTube back in the day. Right now, especially in the automotive space, it's just incredibly busy and flooded and crowded. Back then, it was still fairly doable in terms of getting traction.
2: Yeah, it wasn't quite the beginning of YouTube, but it was a few years into it. So there was still not a lot of automotive content. It was kind of fresh fields. And I was lucky because I had been a TV reporter, right? And I'd been what's called a one-man band. So when you start out in TV news, you start in small markets like Rockford, Illinois, where I was. Uh, and you usually have to one-man ban things, which means that you have to be able to... You don't have a videographer, and so, so you would take the camera, set it up, you know, shoot the video yourself or the news story yourself, and then go to the uh, newsroom, edit it yourself, and then um, maybe even present it in the news as well yourself, and then roll the package. That's how it worked. Uh, I had videographers during the week, but I also worked on the weekends, so I didn't... So anyway, I knew how to shoot, edit, and compose a story, uh, and you know, I thought, I can do this. Uh, and uh, me and you started, but you were still a little guy.
1: Yeah, I was I was in middle school, and then I would edit the videos um, after school. And then eventually, we, we you met up with Nathan, and I we started met up with videos, videos with Nathan.
2: And I decided that consistency was the king to building an audience. And so I think there was a period of two years where we put up a review uh, every day, yeah. every day, including but holidays, weekends, it, every day.
1: Here's the key that nobody understands, is that for the first four years, Um, None of the videos were really making money. So it was impossible to make a living off this. I remember, we were making like $11 a day for a couple of years. So the only reason we were able to do this is because my mom had a good paying job. And it took a solid four years, I would say, of videos every day before things actually started to make a little bit of revenue that you could live off of. And then rather than just keep that revenue, you made the call to bring in new people. So we hired a videographer and then Andre com- came on, on part-time as a Russian mechanic. Yes, and then we hired Ian. Yep, Ian's been with us. He's our videographer. We got a Little teeny tiny office in Boulder. It was a little square room, just a perfect square. Yeah, it was it was a shared office space that we had with four <laughs> desks in this little tiny office. <laughs> yep, and then um, from there we just kind of hired. Uh, you know, more videographers and then more more presenters. And then they've kind of come and gone like along the way, like Emmy Hall used to work with us. Yep. Um, she's great. A couple other people, Stephen, a trust Emmy. yeah, I mean, yeah Stephen used to work with us, right? And then they, they moved on to, to Greater Pastures eventually. Yep. Yeah. But um, it's been a really good adventure and I'm very fortunate, even though we bicker a lot and people think we don't get along. My dad and I do get along very well. And we're really proud of the team and, and all they've accomplished. So I am critical of our podcast just because I think it could be better. But um, I, uh, I'm very grateful well, for this opportunity.
2: Well, yeah, and um, like I said, I, I, I can't express to you what how stressful it was to be able to... And back then, we weren't doing one-take videos. We were doing fully yeah, edited produce, videos, yeah. produced videos, because you know YouTube is this furball of creativity, and it's constantly changing. And so what you guys are looking for is constantly changing. And back then, you had to do a produced video. Uh, and so to be able to shoot, edit, and upload a video every day and have it fresh and interesting. I mean, we, you know, tried to have a different card review every day of the week, uh, including holidays. That, that was a very stressful time. And like you said, instead of, you know, taking the money out of the company, we plowed it back into the company uh, and helped build up TFL uh, as a brand, as opposed to And that's also hard, right? If you think about the biggest YouTube channels, many of them, if not most of them are based around individuals, Mr. Yeah. Beast, right? It's, I mean, he's got a bunch of guys and sometimes gals with him, but it's, it's all about him. More or less. More yeah. or less. And, and we took an approach that we we're going to build a brand as opposed to kind of a personality-centric. Uh, and that's hard because one of the things that YouTube gives you uh, or wants you to do is consistent uh, videos that are the same every single time. And what I mean by the same, I don't mean they're the same video, but the format doesn't change. Imagine like you're watching, I don't know, pick your favorite show, The Bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden... You tune in, and it's not about The Bachelor, but it's about, you know, a dog. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. how did my Bachelor show turn into... And that's kind of what we did because I got really bored of doing the same video. Yeah, and
1: I think, honestly, that, that probably has been been one of the big mistakes that we've made. Could this, be, yeah. Is, you know, we, we didn't have the same format every time, and sometimes we cover the news and then this, so our solution, rather than... Um, just kind of put all this different stuff on one channel was eventually to start other channels. And what we found is like the truck audience is completely different than the car audience, which is completely different than the EV audience. So uh, like a lot of our, our our longtime viewers, which we really appreciate, you guys and gals out there, right, get frustrated with the number of channels. But it's been a big thing to help us stay afloat is, is having other channels with different revenue sources um, and, and different communities. So, so sometimes EV, the EV channel is doing really well because it's a new hot EV, but then the, the truck, channel's not doing well and then there's a new Tacoma and then the EV channel might struggle a little bit but having those different different revenue sources have been has been yeah crucial.
2: yeah and I think I think people like being uh, having you know uh, being talked to or having a conversation with people who speak their language so I'll give you an example <laughs> a, an easy one right uh, I don't think there's anybody in the history of being a truck guy or gal has ever asked a question how does a truck drive right whereas that is crucial to cars but you know it's not about how a truck drives it drives like a truck right Steering's not important. It's about how much it tows. It's about the payload, right? And so I think oftentimes automotive journalists uh, try to cross over into the truck world and they don't understand that like, like guys and gals in the truck world have a much different criteria for buying and reviewing and using their vehicles uh, than they do in the car world. Uh, And that's why we have these different channels, because I think it allows us to have a much different focus when we talk about trucks versus when we talk about off-roading versus when we talk about cars versus when we talk about EVs.
1: The other thing, too, is um, now
0: that we're in 2023, I mean, the the YouTube landscape has changed so much. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. And,
1: you know, we do get criticism for headlines and I understand that, but but we, you have to now, I mean, the algorithm and, and YouTube has, has made it such that creators have to do these goofy thumbnails and headlines and that's what the algorithm's favoring. And if you want to stay competitive, you have to do this. And and then, um, you know, we used to review just new cars, but a lot of creators came along that in a lot of tie cases were much better at reviewing new cars than we were. So we had to come up with new competitive advantages like buying classic cars and these funny little project cars, right? And what's interesting is like, In the YouTube car space, you've got the folks that focus on old cars and projects. And you got folks that exclusively do new car reviews. And we're kind of in this middle ground where we try to try to do a little bit of both. And once again, maybe that hurts us. Maybe you like it, maybe you hate it, but there's plenty of folks out there if you don't like it, which are always trying to improve. So it's it's tough. And it used to be too, like in 2012, you would put out a video and YouTube would notify your 100,000 subscribers and you could get very consistent views. Um, but now, I mean, you have to go more and more crazy with headlines and, and topics. And we're competing with people blowing up new cars with tanks. And how do you get an Ultima review to compete with that? and it's really a, a tough place if you're independently funded like us. You know, there's Edmonds and the KBBs of the world that have these huge parent companies behind them. Yeah, or Motor Trend, Car and Driver, right? Yeah, Motor where... Trend is part of Discovery
2: Channel. Car and Driver is part of, uh, uh, God, who are they owned by? They're owned by that big uh, magazine chain that, that the billionaire started in sure. Cal- California. I can't think of it. Yeah, Peterson. Hurst, Hurst. Um, they're owned by Hearst,
1: but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they've got the luxury where, like, if their YouTube channel's not performing well, they still have this huge mega corporation behind them to to keep um, keep the payroll coming. Where that's a little trickier for us because yeah, it's we, just us. I like to say we eat what we shoot. Yes, that's literally. True. But it's been a great ride and we're still hanging in there and we're still enjoying it and we're still kind of trying to come up with I think we're doing more than hanging in there. I think we're thriving, dude. Well, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I think think it's going pretty well, but it's tough. keep growing. I mean, to your point, your TikTok rant, um, it's tough because the short form content is the new thing now. TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts—that's what the the channels are pushing, and you know they're fun to make. I like doing them, um, and, and they, they just don't—they just don't pay any bills. I, so you
2: see my frustration, right? 14 years of blood, sweat, and toil. To build I, I this understand, audience, and yes, then you get this get email that. from yep. TikTok: "Hi there." <laughs> <laughs> we can't even be bothered to to google you to find out who you are right uh, our mysterious algorithm you know has uh not deemed you not qualified even though you know we have millions of people who watch our stuff on, a, on you know when you look at the website traffic the podcast traffic the yeah. youtube it's just it's, it's 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 actually quite um quite terrifying when i think about the audience and i'm i'm so like thankful to you guys for for you know sticking with us through all these different kind of channels that we've built uh, through all the, you know, the the different presenters that we've brought on board. I'm so grateful that we're still here doing this. Um, You know, a lot of YouTube creators, because of the constant kind of got to feed the beast, uh, get burned out.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, and the other thing too, and this is... And and the audiences
2: get burned out too.
1: Frustrating for me, but, um, you know, it it allows us to do this. Is like it used to be we relied entirely on YouTube revenue. But to your point earlier, like... It's, it's like having a boss that you can never talk to. There's no way to get a hold of anybody at YouTube. We've had YouTube reps, they've been absolutely useless in the past. So if you have an issue with your revenue source or you're wondering, well, hey, why is this month doing much worse than previous months? There's no one you can talk to. And the revenue is always up and down and up and down. So that's why we have to bring in outside advertisers to help bolster, I'm not complaining. You know we're doing okay. We're doing very no, good. It's worse than that. Remember,
2: we were for a while there with Defi, which was a multi-channel channel network. Channel network. Yeah, they stole a lot of money. And they stole a lot of, a lot of money. We, we signed an agreement with them. Basically, the way it worked is they said they would promote our channel. Yep. And then YouTube paid them, and there was an agreement that our money would go into a separate bank account from Defi money. And then, as Defi was going out of business, somehow the executives decided that that agreement didn't mean anything and they took their money out of our money and stole like a, like and that almost put us out of business because we couldn't make payroll i mean it's it's yeah. kind of like the wild west out there i just got a jalapeno in my eye i know sorry about that you had that oh uh, it really hurts yeah i'll just i'll keep ranting and you can you want to get some water um i can keep talking <laughs> i'm serious I'll, I'll Hey, you go take care oh, of it
1: hurts so bad go, sorry
2: yeah we had what's that called for a lunch barbie. we had bon me for lunch and uh uh, yeah, I told them to leave the jalapenos out of it. Uh, so, so anyway, that's why um, I'm so grateful that I'm here and I can have this like frank conversation with you guys. Uh, and hopefully, you guys enjoy the fact that there's two things that are kind of kind of key to TFL. Uh, if you ever watch our videos or if you ever wonder about kind of what we're based on, one is being authentic, uh, and the other one is being transparent. So authentic and transparent. So whatever we do, we believe that you guys should kind of be aware of what's happening here. That's why we do kind of these behind-the-scenes video fleet updates. Uh, And then we're always open about kind of, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, where we make our money, how we make our money, and more importantly, you know, how we're doing. Uh, And like I say, I'm just grateful uh, that we're thriving so that we could do things like buy the uh, cheapest new car in America, which, um, yeah. Turned out to be a huge mistake. When Tommy goes back, uh, we'll tell you the story. But I'll I'll kind of start it because it it was my my doing. Um, So as you know, over at TFL Classics, uh, that's another thing, by the way. That's a third thing. So there's three things, three things that make us unique, and that is we love cars and all cars, not just like you know some some media organizations uh, you know like gm authority specialize in doing news about gm and that's great it's a really great way to get in depth with the brand or in depth on a topic uh, we love all cars um, be they fords general motors mercedes you know name it be they old be they new be they trucks be they motorcycles you know anything that is mechanical that that can take you from place Uh, A to B, we love. And I hope that shows through in the videos. But anyway, so we've been doing a bunch of videos from the Rocky Mountain Auction. Thank you, guys. Uh, It's basically a dealer auction where uh, dealers um, sell cars. So, for instance, if you're trading your car in at the local Toyota dealership, um, you can uh, uh, obviously then get money for that car. And if that car is good, the dealer will sell it. Uh, Or if not, they'll take it to the Rocky Mountain dealership. Rocky Mountain dealer auction, are you okay? Yeah, it's just incredibly painful. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I don't know how I manage that. And, and, And they'll sell the car there and usually other smaller dealers will buy them. Like the you know the local lots that you see on you know any corner of any street in America, and they'll sell them there. Uh, so I decided to go uh, with Tommy and Brendan and our videographer Cole uh, to the auction because they were shooting. What were the videos shooting? Which we we're going to be publishing?
1: Yeah, it's called Budget Ballers. So we bought uh, we didn't buy, but we were checking out um, three heavily depreciated luxury cars that you can get for a tiny amount of money, and we were showcasing how much luxury you can get for. If we just need to a- stop this, let me know. Okay, just a few thousand dollars. If it's, too, if it's too painful, then, then we can take a break. <laughs> Why has this
2: happened? And we can edit this out, and we can fix this. Okay, let's take a little break here. I figure you look like you're in a lot of pain. We'll be right back. All right, like I was saying, Tommy, transparency is one of our core values. So you guys got to see Tommy with jalapeno, um, whatever, in his eye. That was definitely an
1: interesting experience, Dad. My, uh, I've never done that before. I, I don't eat a lot of peppers, and I was picking them out of a sandwich, and then I just rubbed my eye, and... Uh, well, it just uh, exploded it, so I do apologize sincerely there. No, no, no worries. Uh, I appreciate that you're still uh, you know, sticking to this. So
2: when I left the story off, uh, I was talking about the auction and how it works, uh, and I showed up at this auction, and there was this interesting car there. You want to tell them what it was? Yes, it's a
1: little Chinese car mm. called the Candy K27, and three years ago... Uh, End of 2020, there was a lot of reports about this new brand coming to the US with the most affordable new car on the market, and they claimed it was a real car. So we've seen neighborhood electric vehicles in the past, right? Like those little gem kind of golf cart things that go 20 miles and go 25 miles an hour. But no, Candy said this was going to be a real car for $12,000 before the $7,500 tax credit, with real car things, power windows, air conditioning, a heater, uh, four seats, airbags. Great uh-huh. point. Um, reverse, lots of news. Reverse camera
2: with sensors.
1: Yeah, lots of news. And, and you know, people were doubtful. They said, you're not gonna get this thing to the EPA certification. You're not gonna crash test it. It's just a pipe dream. Well, then in the 2020, um, some people started driving it. Top speed, 60 miles an hour. They had all these specs, claim specs. They had a bunch of them in Dallas, all lined up, ready to be delivered. 100 miles of range. And then poof. You didn't hear anything of candy. Nothing yeah. actually ended up happening. They actually got a CARB
2: certified, which is a California Air Research Board.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is like EPA, EPA certified 59 range miles numbers. miles of range. Yeah, right. So this was pretty close to happening, and then it just never ended up happening. But apparently that lot of cars ended up getting sold, and they did become neighborhood electric vehicles, which is a shame because it means they're limited to 35 miles an hour, but that's weird, too, because technically neighborhood electric vehicles are supposed to go 25. Um, and then, you know, I was reading a report that maybe there was some kind of bad stuff going on within Candy, you know, relative to how how they reported their sales numbers. It was a little fishy. Yeah, there's some there's some
2: allegations of fraud,
1: because I think it is a New York Stock Exchange listed company,
2: and they I think they took, if I remember the number right, 160 million, uh, and they may have overestimated how many cars they actually sold. Anyway, this is all part of the story that we're going to be telling uh, on the video, but... Here at the podcast, the important thing is there was one for sale
1: at the auction for, well, $5,000 yeah so we ended up buying it now important thing about this auction right 27 miles um we have a we have, a, odometer. We have a dealer partner we use right yep. and um we never sell these cars for profit right so the whole point of a dealer auction is that pe- dealers can kind of trade with them themselves before they sell to the public yeah we don't we don't buy we don't flip cars we're yeah, not a dealer we've never made money on a car we bought at a dealer auction i'll we, tell we, you that we much. tend to lose money <laughs> we're really good at buying high and selling well, low yeah as a video and production company the other thing i want to talk about dealers auto auction of the rockies really great organization right great, yeah um uh but the prices are not exactly what, what you would consider bargain basement. Like, especially a lot of the Toyota products, you see a lot of FJ Cruisers go for what I would consider retail prices, even from a secondary market standpoint. So there's not a lot of deals to be had. But no dealer, that not a lot of dealers wanted this candy. So it they did, it didn't sell it didn't sell right so we ended up picking it up for 5k how much was it originally supposed to sell for 12,000 New yeah, and it had 27 miles on it. I think we're the first owners Um, I did find another one with also low miles. It sold for three grand So I think we may have overpaid for this candy. Where did this one sell for three? grand? Um, it was at a hyundai dealer oh. somewhere. Wow. Was it also new? It was slightly used it had like 800 miles on it, Oh okay? Well, ours was an
2: also magnificent refrigerator, white.
1: Yeah, right. So it's a new car, you know, and what's interesting about this is like, it's not a golf cart because it has airbags, right? No golf cart has airbags or air conditioning or a heater or a backup camera or Bluetooth audio, right? Like all of these things. So Candy really was trying to sell these in the U.S. mass market. I suspect they got stuck at safety Regulations.
2: Yeah, I feel like my feet are the crumple zone in this vehicle. And by the way, that's candy with a K. K N D I. Because yeah, the
1: doors are about two and a, two and a half millimeters thick, so even though it does have airbags, I I really doubt that this thing would make it past the uh, um, traffic code. It's, it's rolling on fourteen-inch wheels, which is probably the size of a go kart. Yeah, right. And or I, a golf cart. I know that that these are capable of sixty miles an hour as advertised. I've seen videos of them doing sixty. So ours is clearly speed limited to thirty-five, but. It'd be really cool if we could figure out a way to unlock some more speed.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, and the reason we're saying that is because, so uh, you know, I wasn't sure if we bought the world's cheapest new car or the world's, you know, another <laughs> idiotest <it is laughs> new car. Sh starting with a chase, not CH. (laughs) And I'm kind of leaning toward the world's crappiest new car right now because uh, when we drove it home, and keep in mind, I shouldn't say home, to the office, so the auction's about 30 miles from our house. We knew we couldn't drive on the highway, which would take us about 25 minutes because it'd only do 35 miles an hour, so we had to take back roads. But uh, 35 miles an hour top speed is incredibly and painfully slow when you actually have to drive it. It, in fact, took us twice as long to get home, uh, and that's not counting all the people that we uh, backed up and... Obviously made late for whatever appointment because we, when we got on one lane roads that were like forty miles an hour most people drive forty five and we couldn't go a hair over thirty five unless we were going downhill
1: yeah, so not felt bad about that right uh, now technically neighborhood electric vehicles in Colorado you can drive on roads with speed limits up to thirty five uh-huh. and we stuck to primarily roads with those speed limits, but even still people are going fifty and you're going thirty five so you're really making people a little grumpy but you know, this candy, what, I, what amazes me is, A, the number of features it has for such a small amount of money. So figure if they had brought it p- to production for twelve grand, and it did qualify for the $7,500. It does have a steering wheel. Well, it's got steering wheel <laughs> audio controls even. But... It's not the number of features that's astonishing, it's the sheer lack of build quality that's amazing. I mean, everything doesn't fit right. The panel gaps are terrible. It's broken down twice uh, on the way home from the auction. It said 58% charge and then it just stopped working. So when we picked it up, the car said basically it had 90% of the
2: battery. So we figured if it's got 15 miles of range, 90% should get us home with, you know, electricity to spare. So we're trucking down, we're trucking down the road. We get about two miles from our office and all of a sudden little lights start coming up. And since there is no owner's manual, we're like, I wonder what that means because <laughs> the battery still read 50%. So we were like, it, battery's probably fine. Right. Uh, and then a uh, little dong started going off, ding, ding,
1: ding. And then the car died. Yep, yeah, just shut off. Um, and we thought like maybe something had gone wrong internally cause it's still is reading plenty of charge towed it back to the office, stuck it on a charger, and this car is supposed to have a 17 kilowatt hour battery? Yep. And sure enough, it sucked up like 16 and a half. So the battery was depleted. It was dead. So
2: the uh, what's called the uh, battery management system, or BMS, apparently is uh, mistaken in the car. And what the battery management system is supposed to do is tell you how much battery power there is. Uh, and sometimes they can become uncalibrated. In other words, it doesn't know when the battery is full, and it doesn't know when the battery is empty. And I suspect that that's what happened. Because like I say, when we plugged it back in, uh, it sprang to life, and it was fine. So I decided to take it and get it washed, because this thing hadn't been washed for like two years. It had been sitting on some lot somewhere. And as I was washing it, you know, I went to a self-wash, because that's what we do. Uh, I was using the high-pressure washer, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if I'm getting like important parts wet. Now, normally you would not worry about that in most cars, but like Tommy said, the build quality in this thing is that of paper mache uh, combined with uh, paper tissues. Uh, and I was like, maybe I'm getting important stuff wet. So I bring it back to the office, and I did an important experiment, Tommy. Yeah, what did you do? Uh, I want So it was 10 miles to and from the car wash, and I was curious to see how much energy that took. So I put it back on the charger and charged it up to full, and it took 2.38 kilowatt hours of uh, energy Mm -hmm. and if we know the battery is 17 kilowatt hours we can do the math and we can figure out exactly how much range it has and if you do the math it comes out to about 71 miles of
1: range okay so pretty good so epa said 59 candy said 100 yeah but in the the summer when the weather's warm yeah i mean that's that's a pretty good amount of range especially considering this after tax credit would have been a five thousand dollar vehicle look i i understand why this company never made it Because... They build crappy cars. Well, hold on. No, it's because we have really strict laws in the U.S. about crash safety. I suspect that this very car in China probably does go 60 miles an hour, right? They just have much more lax road safety rules. However, I do wish that there was a little form you could sign here in the U.S. saying, I understand this car is not going to... me alive in an accident but this would have been a really cool runabout for a lot of people that just wanted to zoom around cities
2: so so what happened let me continue the story so we get into the office this morning and what happened
1: well it was it wasn't it wouldn't drive it, so it wouldn't go in its drive mode so the the power electricity module would start up, but then it wouldn't allow you to go in a drive. Uh, and it was just flashing an air light, so we thought it was bricked, and then we remembered your car wash, and we thought you fried something. So we, we wheeled it outside, put it in the sun for a couple hours, and now it's running again. Yes, a car that, when it gets wet, Tommy, doesn't run. Right. It's broken down <laughs> twice now in the course of two days. Um, which is not <laughs> ideal for a brand new car. I'm not saying it's a quality automobile here, Deb, but I'm saying for as cheap as it is, it could have been a fun little runabout if it had been certified.
2: Yeah, so so here's kind of the here's where we're going to get kind of interesting and transparent. All right, so that's the story up to this moment. Now that it's running again, we're going to do some more fun videos with it. We have an old Fiat 500 Cinquecento, uh, which is this cute little uh, Italian car. If you saw our Christmas card where we uh, stuffed. Four big guys into it to go get a Christmas tree. You'll know what car I'm talking about. But we're going to take it and drag race it against this. Probably stuff four big guys into both of them and see which one is actually quicker in a quarter mile. Uh, which one do you put your money on? Um, How many horsepower does this Cinquecento do have? Seventeen. This thing has like twenty, right? Forty-five. Oh no, sixty. It's got sixty horsepower. Really? 40, wow.
1: Forty-five kilowatts. Yeah, but it's limited to thirty-five. No, the 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 candy should should kill the Fiat pretty handily. Does it Fiat? But the Fiat goes over. 35 if you get not it. Not with four people in it.
2: <laughs> not going to oh, do much over 35. I think those Centos were quicker than that. Anyway, that's what we plan to do with it next. But here's the thing. Now, you know, we put up the video showing the very first purchase of it and what happened to us. And a lot of the comments are like, well, this is kind of what we expect from Chinese cars. Except I think that the problem is we're a little bit behind in terms of where China is in, in their car manufacturing process. So this is technology that we see in this candy is probably a 15-year-old car, right? Yep. And if you look at it uh, today, uh, China owns Volvo. Um, no, 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 Geely, no. Geely owns Chinese Volvo. car company owns, well, I mean, Geely's probably state-owned. So I think to say China owns, so Geely isn't state-owned, but I would bet that there's a lot of, I mean, it is a communist country, right? Right. There's probably a lot of like, government influence in what these car companies do, if not directly, then certainly indirectly, and certainly with loans and such. Uh, but, uh, you know, Geely does own Volvo, and Volvo builds not only electric cars, they also build Polestar, which are, you know, world-class uh, electric vehicles. So, you know, the th- news stories in China now are that there are like fields of these things that people just abandoned because China leapfrogged so quickly from making these crappy little, like the Yugo of the electric car world, to making world-class electric cars, that people just figured it was easier just to abandon them in a field that actually, because they're worthless. Yeah, right? sure. You can't, you can't sell them. 60 Miles of range is pretty useless. Thirty-five miles of top speed is actually also useless. So, so the, the funny part was the comments were like, "Well, that's a typical Chinese car," and I'm like, "I'm not sure. I think that's a typical Chinese car from maybe 15 years ago." But today, you know, even Lotus, the, the, the Electra, which is the latest electric Lotus, because once again, uh, who owns a Lotus? I think it's Geely as well. Isn't is it, it Geely or is it? Uh, uh, BYD, or is it Great? Well, I don't know. And it's a Chinese company owns Lotus as well. Um, Who owns Lotus? Uh, Geely. Geely also owns Lotus. There you go. Uh, and some of the electric Chinese cars, which you actually saw at the Goodwood Revival this year, are, are pretty incredible. Yeah, so. And I I'm had not to trying to defend China or not defend them. I'm just trying to no, be no. factual.
1: I, uh, at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, so in the UK, they, they sell Chinese cars currently. So MG, right, the famed um, British manufacturer, is also MG. owned. MG. Yeah, you know what I say. I think I
2: thought you said M and G.
1: No, no, MG, MG. Um, You know, famous roadster manufacturer uh, is owned by the Chinese, and right now they build a line of EV vehicles. And I expected them to be like this this toaster thing we have parked outside, but they were phenomenal. They were they felt really well made. They had good specs, good range, really affordable for what they were, like starting at thirty two thousand pounds. Um, really impressed. And then I went across to another booth, and I got to sit in a Neo, which is another Chinese manufacturer, and I would say interior design and initial fit and finish, from what I could see, was well on par with Lexus or um, or Mercedes or BMW. I mean, it was incredible, the quality in that car felt really, really good. And then you look at the, the charging specs, and they've got battery swap stations for these Neos, so you can pull in, they stick a new battery in it, and off you go down your road, much faster way to recharge your car. So I was really impressed with some of that stuff. So I would say that, you know, in a short amount of time, we've gone from building what is an electric refrigerator to easily, from a fit and finish and design standpoint, world-class EVs.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the most famous uh, electric car company that is also the most famous, and people forget this, American electric car company, Tesla, they also build uh, cars in China. And in fact, the new Model 3, the latest updated version, was first unveiled in China, followed by Europe, and it hasn't even been unveiled here yet. So that kind of shows you which way the winds are blowing. I mm-hmm. mean, they've got a lot more uh, consumers in China than we have here in America or even in Europe. Uh, but let's, let's kind of get off the China thing right now uh, and talk about um, some other cars, Tommy.
1: Yeah, so I just had a chance to drive um, the, uh, the first Level 3 autonomous um, car approved for U.S. use. So you, you measure autonomy based on a 1 through 5 scale. Number 1 is basically adaptive cruise control, where the car will do the braking. Number 5 is cars so autonomous drive under any condition, doesn't need a steering wheel, right? And up until this point, we've seen level one and level two.
2: Which is level two would be like super cruise. It would be full self driving.
1: On um, wait, that's level Pause. two. Pause. Tesla full self driving. If you just say full self driving, people are going to assume no. it's, FSA. I mean, yeah. FSD. Sorry. So hang FSD. on. FSD. Let me let me clarify this a little bit. So it's wait wait. Why are you clarifying me? I'm I'm, I'm what I'm saying is right. You're, well, you you're, are, but you're, but you're it, like you're like. Making, I apologize. I apologize. It's it's, it's, it's kind of
2: rude. You're like oh let me let me, let me let me educate you, Dad. I'm
1: sorry. I apologize. Okay. I feel but bad. Tesla full
2: self driving, uh, Super Cruise, which is part of GM. I, you're right. You're Blue right. Cruise, which is.
1: I Ford. just want to make it clear. Tesla full self-driving, if you don't know, is nowhere near full self-driving. That's right. why I wanted to clear up the confusion. Okay. Okay. I didn't mean to, to take your thunder. I apologize, everybody. So, so all those systems are level two. And level two basically means that the
2: driver has to be ready to take control at any given moment. You have to keep your eyes on the road. You can't be watching YouTube videos. Uh, and, uh, you know, it works under certain conditions at certain times. Level five would be... Like Tommy was saying in the snowstorm with no driver behind the wheel works all the time anytime no matter what
1: well what I want to impart here is level two the driver is still responsible for what happens to the vehicle yeah this is a Mercedes thing no this is a very important distinction and uh, I've heard this from other manufacturers as well I, I, I don't buy it, but go ahead under a level two driving situation even a supercruise where it's hands off and feet off the pedals the car is still under the control of the driver. So if the car were to crash, the driver is responsible. Right. Um, Now, what Mercedes is pioneering is a level three system. And in a level three system, it's hands off, feet off, and now, eyes off. So the driver can take attention away from the driving experience and focus it on a secondary activity. And that's a big deal. So for the first time under certain conditions, and there's a lot of conditions. And you got to do this. Yeah, um, the Mercedes will drive itself, and if the Mercedes were to crash, the driver is no longer responsible. Mercedes says if the system's operating correctly, they're going to take the responsibility. All right, so from a, let, me, let me just clarify
2: and let me disagree. So from an engineering perspective, there are very clear parameters what level one, level two, level three means. It has nothing to do with responsibility. That is a legal thing that Mercedes is arguing. But from an engineering point of view, it just suggests what the car can do and how it can do it, when it can do it, right? Uh, and it has nothing to do with who's responsible. And I would argue, Tommy, that let's say Mr. Musk is driving... A level five autonomous Tesla, and or a Mercedes, and he gets in an accident. You're saying that Mercedes would say, well, or let's say zero Mercedes, the responsibility is on us, not on the driver. I'm saying that both Musk and Mercedes would get sued. Uh, you know, yeah, in I, our court system, the sure. responsibility would be both. You know, it would be first of all who's got the deepest pockets, and secondly, they would sue both. Whoever got injured would sue both. All right, so um, level three autonomy, Tommy, you got to experience it. What's it like?
1: Well, it's very cool because. Um, it genuinely is a full eyes-off system. So you don't have to pay attention to the road at all.
2: Were you watching YouTube videos?
1: Yes, and that's completely fine, which is interesting. <laughs> so what's interesting is that the car allows you to, to enter these modes in the infotainment screen that you typically couldn't access. So you can go online, you can watch a video, you can watch a movie, you can text someone, you can email someone to the center screen. How fast could you go? Well, I'll get there. Okay. What's funny is that you can do all of that in the center screen, legal. You can't do it on your phone though, because uh, California has no texting and driving rules. So, so the technology is ahead of the law. Of ahead of the law. Now, Mercedes has been working heavily with states to get this approved. And this is another big difference between level three and level two. The amount of work it's taken Mercedes to get this first approval has been enormous. And so far, it only works in two states, California and Nevada. It only works on interstates, pre-mapped interstates, where the speed is below 40 miles an hour. So if you're stuck in traffic on pre-mapped interstates outside of LA, for example, click it on, hands off, eyes off, do your thing. Um, Doesn't work at night. It doesn't work in the rain. It has to be a clear day. It's got a lot of sensors that you wouldn't find on a typical car. So it has dual cameras. It's got radar. It's got LiDAR. Built-in redundancy. It's got a GPS system. Um, super active GPS system that takes up the whole width of the roof that, that, that actually looks for three sets of satellites, GPS, Galileo, and then I think it's Baidu, the, 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 the Chinese satellites. So it has really precise positioning within the lane. It's got cameras in the back that's looking for emergency vehicles. It's got special sensors listening for sirens so it can you know, turn itself off if it's sees siren. So there's a lot of ifs in the system. However, if you do live in LA and you've got a nasty commute every morning, It is astonishingly good. It's amazing how quick you go from not trusting this thing at all to trusting your life in it in an instance. And it's the first system I've ever driven where it didn't mess up once or hesitate once or freak out once, like I've driven Super Cruise, Blue Cruise, Tesla Full Self Driving like you were talking about earlier. And I never trust the systems fully. They always, they try to take the exits that are doing funny things in the lane. This Mercedes system was flawless. So
2: uh, there's a lot of like uh, stories out about it right now because obviously there was an embargo. And so there were a lot of journalists. And so the journalists all published their stories at the same time. And you know what I noticed, Tommy? No one cares. Well... Yeah, and I'll tell you why I thought about that. Okay. Because I love driving. And I'm, I'm not, you know, now what you're doing is you're turning the car into the, you know, proverbial toaster, right? Where you just sit there and it does whatever it wants. And you could do a lot of other things, but I could do a lot of other things, you know, sitting in my home, uh, you know, watching TV, playing on the phone, watching the computer, you know, scratching the dog. And when I go out and I actually want to go somewhere, I love the sensation of being able to get behind the wheel of a car and pilot it myself and feel, you know, the exuberance of moving down the road with me in control of this, you know, very special vehicle, be it electric or be it internal combustion engine. And I think people inherently understand that and inherently do like driving and like the freedom of it and I think uh, are kind of like disappointed that this autonomy is now taking that away from them.
1: Here's what I would pitch to you, though. You are an excellent driver. You love driving. What is the one thing you hate more than anything sure, in the tra- world? I mean, who likes traffic? Yeah, but you especially, Dad. Ne- <laughs> if you want to hear a Roman rant, you should hear my dad in traffic. You hate traffic. You hate driving that's in traffic. That's why I
2: moved out of Chicago to Colorado.
1: But imagine if you lived in L.A. and you had an hour and a half commute in traffic. That's not a lot of fun driving. You know, I would rather not have to deal with traffic and have the chance to play a game.
2: We're going to go down this road again, which is the terrifying road, which is you know what's coming, right? Uh, There'll be autonomous driving, uh, and you'll be able to turn it on when you get to the traffic area, and you'll be able to turn it off when you want to not uh, drive. And then what will happen is some politician somewhere will figure out that, gosh, when people are using computers to drive, Nobody dies, but when people are driving, a lot of people die, so let's pass a law saying that if you're in this part of the city or if you're in this part of the country, the only way you can go there like London's doing with, you know, electrification is to be fully autonomous, and that's going to spread, and eventually we're going to be driving cars in little ranches in Montana uh, where, you know, where we can actually go out and drive our classic cars, whereas in the rest of the world, you'll be in little pods floating around with, you know, no traffic, and that'll suck.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's a potential.
2: Is my rant. See, it wasn't that bad.
1: Um, but um, I still think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a piece of technology. Look, there's a lot of people that hate driving. There's a lot of people that are really bad drivers. Um, and there's a lot of people that I'd probably prefer Mercedes engineers to, 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 you know, take control of the driving. There's a lot of people that love driving in video games, but it's not the same, Tommy. Uh, No, but I'm saying there's a lot of people that that
2: hate driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they love, like, video game driving. Like, they don't like the real world driving, but they love, like, going into... You know, one of those simulators. No, I, just, I kind of feel like we're. we're I'm talking
1: like my mom she does not play games. Yeah, yeah,
2: you I, know. Can, I, I know, but I'm, I'm I'm saying we're kind of heading down this road where we're we're isolating and insulating ourselves from real life, and you know everything is happening virtually. Whether we're buried in our phones or we're buried in you know uh, virtual reality glasses or we're buried in our computer and we're doing all this stuff that like we used to do. Uh, outside inside and i think we're as a culture and as a as a people we're missing out on a lot of life by doing that right you can go drive you know you can go drive the nürburgring um on a computer or you can drive it in real life and i promise you the one in real life is going to be terrifying
1: but at the end of the day you're going to have a story to tell i don't think the nürburgring is going to go autonomous anytime soon Dave. but what i'm trying to say is you know it's a double-sided sword because you're going to save this system is going to save a lot of lives i was driving down Actually, the car was driving me down the I-10 freeway in, outside of Los Angeles, and I was looking at every person around me, and every car for a five-mile period, every single one of those people was on their phone. I almost killed somebody this week, uh, and it wasn't my fault. Well, what did you do?
2: I was driving home, uh, and I'm in a one-lane road, and there's a double line next to me, and the road goes from like 35 to 55. Uh, and people don't know that it goes to 55, so they still drive 35. And as I'm as I'm driving down this road, an oncoming car, this is a blue escape, right in front of me, went to illegally pass the car in front of it, and I almost did a head-on. Yeah. To avoid the head-on, what I did was I jerked the wheel to my right, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a bike lane next to me, which I only realized afterwards. And had there been a cyclist, yeah, right, in that lane, I would have killed him. Well, and because that... because I would have you know tried to avoid that head-on collision. And I don't know if this person was trying to pass or if they were buried in their phone i don't know but uh, but it just really was a wake-up call because i've uh you know ridden that road hundreds of times on my bike because that's yeah, a very right. popular road sure, right. and i was thinking to myself afterwards if there had been a bike there because that instant reaction right you see somebody all of a sudden head-on like just out of traffic right into you the first thing you do is you, you turn the wheel to avoid them and you know it would have been a horrible tragedy
1: i mean and the question is like you know it it's easy to say that um you know i want my freedom to drive anywhere everyone should have the freedom to drive anywhere but what is that life worth that person on the bike cuz that that escape wouldn't have passed in oncoming traffic if it was if it was a mercedes eqs system you know how what you know i'm driving my classic mini and someone plows into me cuz they're texting in traffic you know what is that hospital bill worth if that person had been behind the wheel of a, an autonomous eqs yeah these are questions that are probably best left answered
2: to people with uh, you know uh, a higher pay grade than us. <laughs> sure. So let's talk about the other two cars we drove because we're running out of time. Uh, so in our parking lot today is the uh, Ford Escape. I would say new Ford Escape, but it's been around a while. Uh, and the problem with, the, we've got this, it's this really cool car. Do you know, do you know the name of it? It's like this, I don't it's, know this color. brown, but well, it's, it's like a metallic brown. It's really cool. This
1: one's brand new, actually. Yeah? It's just been updated. Uh-huh. So we've got a fresh update on the Ford Escape that we're driving this week. And the, and the problem with the Escape is the Bronco Sport. Yes, that is that is uh, the issue with the Escape. Yeah, they're built
2: on the exact same platform and. And as much as I like the Escape and I like the color, and actually we took it over to our mechanic to pick up uh, one of the Toyotas that <laughs> we bought. That, Boy, that broke. That broke. Uh, 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 the mechanics uh, uh, really loved it, uh, thought the car was cool. But if it would be me, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to get the Bronco Sport. It's the same car, yeah. just a different shell on top. Why not get the, you know, Heritage Edition Bronco Sport uh, as opposed to the Escape? The Escape kind of feels like old school, you know, no name, as crossover.
1: Well, this was the ST line. It's a little sporty. It was, cool.
2: it was a little sporty. It had a cool steering wheel. It has a cool steering wheel, cool leather.
1: Very luxurious. Yeah, yeah pleated leather yes. for an escape. What's uh, the hybrid? It's got the new sync system, which is awesome. Really, yeah. really good. Um, my big issue is $43,000 for an escape. It's a wow. pretty big ask. Uh, you know, a lot of Bronco, full size It is, side it is the ST, Tommy. ST line. Yeah, I know. It's not a full ST. Um, I like the car. I think it's quite quick. It's got the little eco-boost engine. Would I pay 43 for it? Absolutely not. Um, I would, like you said, get the Bronco Sport. But if I lived in a city and I didn't ever care about the image or the off road capability of a Bronco Sport, maybe get the better on road dynamics of the Escape. Having just driven the K27, I felt it was
2: incredible. Yes,
1: compared to the candy, <laughs> anything, a bus pass might be better, Dad. That's a good point. And then the uh, uh, vehicle we took to lunch, which now
2: you might be regretting, uh, is a new uh, Toyota Corolla Cross Truck. Cross, cro- cross, what, what is it? The cross. I'll <laughs> be here. You, you can just cut it there, Dave. The Corolla Cross. Yes. I was there for the unveiling of it. It's basically a lifted Corolla uh, that has all-wheel drive that competes with cars like the. That's why I'm getting confused, like the Subaru Crosstrek, right? Yeah. So it's it, it's a direct competitor to that. Um, we had a long discussion in the car because it has a planetary gear set, which does the best effort I've ever known to approximate and basically imitate uh, a CTV. See us? <laughs> I'm
1: getting tired. <laughs> You're having a hard time yeah. here, Dan. Yeah, so it's got an ECVT. Um, yeah, CTV. CV. CVT. CVT.
2: CVT. <laughs> it basically emulates the CVT, which is the worst transmission that man has ever devised.
1: Continuously variable. I think it's okay. It's, it's not a belt and a cone, so it's not going to wear out. Um, great little car. This one's the hybrid. So it's got the, the hybrid all-wheel drive system as well. Great color and very comfortable. So you have a lot of room for the money. They just dropped it off today. I haven't looked at the sticker, but it's a fun little car. I mean, for what it is, it'll get you through the snow, easy to park. It's got pretty good technology, great safety. It's got, speaking of safety features, the Toyota Safety Sense System with adaptive cruise and lane centering and blind spot monitoring. It's a good little guy. Yeah, so, you know, if you're
2: debating whether buying a Crosstrek with a CVT or (laughs) the Corolla Cross with an eCVT, I'd go with the Corolla Cross with the eCVT if you don't mind, you know, the fact that it accelerates in that funny way where it just goes you know, and, and, and drones on, uh, uh, they all kind of do that. Uh, it's good for fuel economy. Um, the car, I love. I mean, it's, you know, it's the right size, it's the right color. Gosh, what color was that? It's kind of a almost a neon greenish yellow.
1: Yeah, I haven't looked at the sticker. I don't know what the, the name is. They just dropped it off like an hour ago. You know ago. The, price? We the price? I don't we, even, we I haven't seen it. the sticker yet. Yeah, we haven't looked at the sticker. But I really liked it. I drove it at the launch. Um, Pretty affordable, very good fuel economy for what it is. And I think it's the best in that kind of small crossover segment. It's a a good little car. It is a good little car. And, uh, um, you know, it seems to be very uh,
2: um, affordable. And if you want, I can go run out there and get the sticker. That's okay.
1: Well, we'll talk about it next you, you week.
2: Want me, you made a, I can Google it very quickly. I don't want to leave these people hanging. I feel like I'm not doing my job now. Well,
1: they dropped it off an hour ago.
2: Today. I know, but we we could have we could have been more.
1: Remember, you wanted to do more repairs. Yes. Now yeah. I feel
2: like we're letting them down. This
1: podcast has been a little bit of a mess, Dad. Between oh, it's the been... jalapeno in the <laughs> eyes and the arguing, people are not going to. I feel ashamed. People are not going to be. All right, really
2: hold happy. on here. I've got Google here. Uh, so 2023 color Cross starts in like the mid 20s from twenty three thousand six hundred and
1: ten Yeah, but this one's gonna be closer to 30 because it's got a lot of bells and whistles. Yes, but um, great little car Yeah, you gotta look at the hybrid too. That's just a normal one.
2: Oh, we had the hybrid. Yep. Oh gosh
1: um, Yeah, I really like it. I mean, it's um, it's it's uh, pretty roomy as well and um, You know, would you get better fuel economy with the Prius? Yes. Would you get more space with the RAV4? Yes, but it's a, it's a good little balance so coming up, uh, if you're wondering what's happening here at TFL, uh, you've
2: got something fun you're driving next week. Tell me about it, Tommy.
1: Um, I um, I'm driving the new Lexus TX. Yes, exactly. That's right. So I'm going to Texas to check out that. Uh, got lots of stuff coming on that. I'm also doing some stuff with the Toyota Heritage Fleet, which is going to be a ton of fun. So we're going to have a lot of a lot of cool news on that.
2: Yep. But Andre is right now driving uh, a bunch of. Uh, chevy trucks but not just any chevy trucks he's driving three versions uh mid-size a full-size and a heavy duty truck that are all what tommy they're all
1: the zr2s so he's out doing the off-road trims of all the chevy trucks so we got a lot of cool stuff
2: i think they're trail bosses actually they're more they're they're all trail bosses yeah so so he's gonna get to drive one of the first in the country to get to drive the uh uh, heavy duty uh, uh chevy silverado trail boss which is pretty cool
1: Yep, so be sure to stay tuned for that over at TFL Truck. Um, we got a lot of more candy K27 coverage coming. Uh, Silverado EVs parked out front, too. Andre's doing a lot more testing yes, with wanna,
2: that. Yeah, I want to thank Chevy. I'll, I won't take the truck podcast uh, you know, topics, but I want to thank uh, uh, Shad and Shad uh, for letting us be one of the first in the country to get our hands uh, on the wheel of the new uh, Chevy Silverado EV. Uh, we've been doing a whole bunch of testing with it. If you've been watching altfl.com, you'll see that we actually towed with it. Yep. Uh, and compared it to an F-150. Yep.
1: So we got all that coming. Lots of good stuff for that, that and, truck. And Tom,
2: Tommy, we're going to Ike it.
1: I can't wait to see how it does. So and
2: compared it into lightning.
1: Yeah. So we'll have lots of cool coverage with the EV truck wars coming up here shortly. Um, Obviously, a lot of electrification in this world, so we got a lot of EV stuff coming down the pipeline, but uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on around here. Yeah, and then uh, the coolest one, which I kind of am jealous of, but not horribly jealous, uh,
2: Case is going to uh, the Ren Tech Reunion, the big Porsche party over in Monterey.
1: Yeah, Rent Sports. Rent Sports, sorry. Rent Sports. Rent Sports, sorry. He's going to go check out all the cool Porsche's. They got some news coming out of Rent Sports, so he's going to go experience like 100,000 air cool Porsche's in one spot.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. Uh and um uh, yeah, um keep your eyes on com. Uh and uh yeah, if you don't like this podcast, let me know in the comments below. Except for one thing, Tommy. I, I, this is not a rant, but somebody gave us one star. You know why they gave us one star? Why? They gave us one star because they didn't, not because of anything I said, which I'm sure you were thinking. uh, The the review basically uh, dinged us for the fact that we talk about electric cars. They said that electric cars are being forced down the throats of many people and that because of that, they're going to give this podcast a one star because we were bold enough to actually talk about them and in their view, promote them, which, you know, we're not trying to promote or not promote anything. We're just, you know, kind of reporting the news. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of decisiveness on EVs. We'd appreciate it if you didn't give us the one-star reviews, but we understand if you do.
2: If you want to give us a one-star because you hate my, my rants, I e- e- eagerly will uh, take that. But if you're going to give us a one-star because you don't like the fact that we're talking about Chevys and you're a Ford guy, or we're talking about EVs and you're not an EV guy, please,
1: that's not fair. All right, so um, yeah, that that's pretty bold. Look, EVs are coming. We have to go out there and cover them. Um, If you want to see more candy coverage, you know where to find it. (laughs) Alltfl.com. We're the only people in the country uh, doing
2: in-depth reporting on the uh, K27. All right, guys. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Ciao.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.